is going to pray with you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for Steve. I thank you, Lord, for all that he does behind the scenes, all that he does, Lord, to keep things on track in the technical area. Lord, he's a busy man in life as well, Lord, so it is that sacrifice, Lord. But I pray this morning, Father God, as he has given up his time to seek you for the word, Lord, you're just going to pour into him and pour out of him. And, Lord, we're going to just sense again the God of the more than. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. So, we're continuing our series on our identity in Christ. And today, I have the privilege and the pleasure of talking about being more than conquerors. So, I'm going to read the key verse or verses from Romans 8, verse 31, and then from 35 to 39. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the context here is one of being an overcomer within the context of trials, tribulation and persecution. But nothing can separate us from the love of God. So what does it mean to be more than, more than a conqueror? To conquer is to defeat, to overcome, to master, to get the better of something. But we're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. What is it to be more than a conqueror? Well, if an army goes into a territory and defeats the opposition, they are conquerors. But their children are more than conquerors. They have a birthright handed to them, which is one of victory. They can enjoy the spoils of the battle without having to take on the formidable enemy because the enemy is already defeated. Garcia Alcaraz, if any of you follow tennis, went, won the men's single title at Wimbledon this year. And I'm sure his wife and his future children will enjoy the benefits of that victory in years to come. He was the conqueror at Wimbledon. They are more than conquerors. But the other meaning of being more than a conqueror is about the totality of the defeat of the enemy the absolute subjugation of the one who is defeated. So there are really two meanings. To come in after the conquering has already been done, having been ready and having been permissioned to take the spoils, and utterly destroying the enemy with such a convincing landslide that there is no shadow of a doubt as to who the victor is. 
But I want to talk a little bit this morning about a parable that you're probably mostly familiar with, the parable of the prodigal son. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'll just have a little recap. You'll find this in Luke 15, and you can read it, the full thing, later. But this is a story of a, a, a ruler who had two sons, and one son decided he wanted his inheritance now. He didn't want to wait until his father had died and he was given the birthright. So he, he got his share of the portion, and he went off, and he squandered it, and he had what he thought was the things he was looking for in life. But he ended up miserable and alone and with broken and with nothing. And as he was swilling out pigs, and remember that for the Jewish people to work with pigs was a terrible thing to, to have to do because they were unclean. They are unclean if, you, if you're Jewish. Um, and in the middle of that, he thought, even the, even the hired workers at my father's land are in better condition. They kept better than this. They eat better than I'm eating. They're looked after better than I'm looking after. So then if we pick this up from verse 20, and he arose and he came to the father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you and before you, against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. The prodigal son had moved away from the protection and the provision of the father, but the father's love had remained it remained a constant. We know this because of his reaction when the son went home. He was waiting. He was looking for him. There wasn't a day had gone by when he wasn't missing his son, looking out for him, wondering about him, probably praying for him. While the son was away, he underwent trials and tribulations. He suffered. He was squeezed and he was stretched but nothing separated him from the love of his father. He may not have been conscious of that love. He may not have remained aware of it, but it was there. The love he had already experienced at home was calling him back. It was reminding him. He was reminded of the goodness of the love that he experienced at home with his father, and that's what made him get up and go back home. So when he was lost and alone and scared and hungry and tired and overwhelmed, he was able to remember how life was when he was held safely and securely in his father's love. And when he returned home, a number of things happened. And four of them I want to just mention briefly, and then I'm going to focus on one of them. Firstly, the father ran to meet him. He'd been waiting for him a long time, looking out for him. He saw him from a distance and he ran with joy in his heart, I'm sure. Secondly, he embraced him. He again surrounded him. He covered him with his love. And thirdly, he reinstated him. He gave him a robe, a ring and shoes. 
And fourthly, he called a celebration. Now, I want to focus mostly on the third of those, the reinstatement, because that is the more than God. He reinstates us. Whenever we move away from him, whenever we sin against him, we've just got to come back to him, and he reinstates us in an instant. So he reinstates him with three things. First of all, the robe. He didn't just give him a shoddy garment. He gave him the best robe. He covered his shame, his guilt, his sin. I should imagine that the sun was covered in pig swill and he was probably a bit smelly. But that didn't matter because he was loved and he was back with the Father. And in just the same way, God gives us new clothes when we come back home to the Father through the Son. All of our debt is taken care of. It was taken care of because Jesus died and he rose victorious. He's clothed us in the best robes because the heavenly robes, we're clothed in heavenly garments because we are children of the living God. The ring. The ring was a reinstatement of his authority. In ancient times, the ring was often used as a a form of a signature. The ring contained on it an insignia, and that insignia was stamped into wax, and that marking on the wax became the seal, and it therefore carried the authority of that signature. So by giving him the ring, he gave him the authority to speak on the behalf of the Father. He gave him the authority as a member of the family. When when the wax seal is on a letter that's been stamped with that ring, it has the authority of the Father. If we translate this into our situation, it has the authority of the King, the King of Heaven. We're authorised to work in partnership with him. When a letter is sealed and stamped, it's sent out with the full force of the ruler. We carry that seal through the Holy Spirit. When we send words out into the atmosphere, when we speak words into the spiritual places, they carry the full weight of the kingdom of God. When we speak and we declare the words of God that have been in our heart and in our mind because we've meditated on the word, they have that same punch as if they've been sealed with the signet ring. They carry the authority of heaven. In the story, of course, Jesus was really talking about the young man who came back to God. He came back to the family of God. He was loved and he was welcomed back. He was reinstated and they celebrated. Through the finished work of the cross and us being known to God, we speak words and they hold the power of the king. We can command in Jesus' name. We can loose in Jesus' name. We can bind in Jesus' name. And he is the name above every name. And every knee must bow to that name. In heaven and on earth. Church, we are the other side of the victory. We are able to enjoy the benefits of the victory already made by Jesus. We're already more than conquerors. We've just got to step into it. 
And that is why the Father gave the Son shoes, so he can step into the next thing in his journey now that he's back home, securing the Father's love. Jesus warned that if new wine is poured into old wineskins, those wineskins will burst. And if new cloth is used to repair an old garment, it'll create a tear. New wine needs new wineskins. We're in a season where new wine is being ready to be poured out. In fact, it's already beginning to be poured out. Just not in the full measure yet, but it's coming. If we're going to usher in the new wine of the kingdom, we need to be prepared to give up everything that we thought held our love of Christ together. Every structure and system that is man-made allows room for the enemy to get into it and manipulate it and control it through his lies and his cheating. We need to be prepared to give up everything that we hold dear about how we do our relationship with God that's not directly our relationship with God. And we may not be asked to give it away, but we need to be prepared to. We need to allow him to have mastery and the final say. The wine of Christ and the Holy Spirit doing the will of the Father. What are we prepared to sacrifice? What are our eyes fixed on? Are they fixed on the systems or are they fixed on Jesus? Do we focus on the troubles of the world around us? Now it's right that we do some of that, especially if we're called as intercessors. And we've spoken about some of that this morning already. If you're called to intercede to stand in the gap, you have to be aware of what's going on. But you know what? You don't have to keep your eye just on what's going on in the physical world. Look in the spirit realm. What is going on in the spiritual realm? What are the spiritual places? What are the influences? What's really happening? Because that's where the change comes from and is affected by. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and it's against powers. And our weapons are not weapons of this world. Where is your focus? We're more than conquerors. Why? Because he's already conquered it all. And he's poured out so much. And he keeps on pouring out so much. We're anchored firmly into the rock, into Jesus. Just like a tree with deep and strong roots, the wind might blow from time to time. We've seen some of that recently, the storms over the last week or so. There might be more storms to come. We might even bend in those storms, but we will not break. We're able to flex under the pressure because our roots go deeply into him. Our roots deepen, how? By spending time with him. This is where your personal time spent with the Lord is so important and it's becoming more and more vital as we move through the coming years, weeks and months even. Your roots are your ability to withstand the troubles that life throws at you. And it's dependent on you knowing him, talking to him. And I say talking to him, not talking at him. 
although some of that's okay, but talking with him, listening to him answer as well. It's a two-way conversation. Reading his word, being guided by him, allowing his light to shine, that step, uh, that light onto your, onto your footfall. If you know him, keep your eyes on him. And if you don't know him, today would be a really good day to start a relationship with him as your Lord and Saviour. When you remain focused on him, rivers of living water will flow out of you and they'll impact those around you. Brothers and sisters, we need to start getting comfortable with standing up under a different level of the anointing of God. And as it says in Ephesians, having done all, we need to stand. We need to get comfortable with sometimes being uncomfortable. We're learning to walk with more of the Holy Spirit, focused more clearly on Jesus, seeing more fully what the Father is doing. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We need to move out of fear, church. I'm speaking to myself here as well. We need to stand out of fear because a new season is landing. It is coming. Jesus is coming back as king. We know that. He's coming back in physical form. But before he does that, he must be glorified by his church. We must be willing to lay down our lives for him. Nothing can separate us from his love. And that's what makes us more than conquerors. Jesus has paid the price. Sin, unrighteousness, rejection, criticism, victimhood, lack, uncertainty, every kind of sickness, every kind of deliverance. Jesus is and always has been about making us whole. He takes the broken things and he brings them to himself. He raises them to himself and he raises them to glory. And as he raises them to glory, he changes our capacity to hold his glory. He expands our ability to move with him, in partnership with him, doing his will and his calling, responding to that thing that he's laid in us, those desires in our hearts that are his call on our life, whatever that might be. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are not moving. We move from strength to strength. We move from glory to glory as we take more of him into ourselves. As we get rid of more of ourselves to make space for him, he moves us from glory to glory to glory to glory. And it keeps on going and it keeps expanding us. But what moves us from glory to glory? Ultimately, it's Jesus. But the process of moving from glory to glory is sometimes hard. There's a shaking. There's an upheaval. There might be a stretching, a moving, a removing. And you know what? It's not always pleasant. But nothing can separate us from the love of God. Do you know, 
This is completely off script. But I'm going to just share this with you. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been going back into some fairly tough experiences from my younger years. And I was sat in prayer time the other day, a couple of days ago, and said, Jesus, where were you? Where were you? And he showed me so clearly exactly where he was. And he was right there. And you know, the intervention that he was doing with me at that moment in time, I could not have imagined it. Now, some of you know I'm a bit of a geek. I quite like maths, I quite like numbers, I quite like crunching data. And he was sat with me doing some math sums. That's what he was doing. Now, I would never, ever have placed that as something that he would have done at that point. That's what he was doing. And why? Because he knew, in his perfect love for me, he knew that's exactly what I needed because it kept me busy, it occupied me. And actually, for years to come, maths, it became something that I... That I it became a strong... A, a thing for me that was a thing of comfort and a thing that brought me, brought me joy. And I, I still enjoy doing now. still find it relaxing. So he knew perfectly what I needed, even in that moment. We don't always know what God is doing when we're living in a situation. But we can trust him because of the measure of his love for us. We can trust that whatever he is doing in the situation, he will always work it for our good. He will always work it for our wholeness. He will always work it for our healing. If you think about pearls for a moment, arguably they're one of the most beautiful natural things that are made through a process rather than directly created, if that makes sense. So the oyster is created, but the pearl is made through a process. And what causes that process is a piece of grit. A piece of grit gets in, it causes an irritation. And that irritation creates a response in the oyster, and that oyster then creates the pearl. The pearls that you have in your life the pearls that I have in my life, they are born of irritation. They come from our trials and our tribulations. They come from the experiences that we have had and that we are having and that we may continue to have that will be challenging, that will stretch us, that will test us, that will try us. But God is always there and his love knows no bounds. And in that security is our security that we can withstand it all and we can stand knowing that we are loved and knowing that we are more than conquerors because he's already done it all. He's already paid the price. In Acts 5, 15 and 16, it says they carried out the sick into the streets and they laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered in from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and afflicted with unclean spirits. Sorry, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Who was healed? Some of them? A couple of them? All of them. All of them were healed. Are you ready for the miraculous? Are you ready for the signs and the wonders that are coming? Because they are coming. There is a new anointing falling upon the church. 
and it is bringing with it a new revelation of signs and wonders and miracles. People who need Jesus are out there searching, lost, alone, overwhelmed, uncertain, hurting, and in need of all kinds of healing and deliverance. And by the way, those two things were not separated in Jesus' ministry or that of the apostles. There was healing and there was deliverance. They are both about making whole. They are both about bringing things back in to the light of the kingdom. This house of God is going to become a beacon in this city. I declare it. I speak it. It's the will of God. I'm not the only one to have said it. It will happen. But are you ready for that? Are we ready for that? When deaf ears are made to hear, when someone born without an eye forms a new one in their socket, what will you do? If the Holy Spirit says to you that he wants to partner with you and wants you to pray for that person, to command that new eye to be created and placed into the eye socket, what will you do? Now, please don't do that in the flesh. That would be disastrous. Jesus only ever did what he saw the Father do. But if the Father does it and the Spirit compels us, what will we do? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we have to reach into the spiritual realm and we have to pull down into the physical reality. Sometimes we have to stand in the power and the presence of the living God and be beyond the end of ourselves and give him absolute control. Standing in his glory, he takes us from glory to glory. And as he does, as we learn to walk in that anointing of what's coming next, we'll see miracles the like of which I don't think we've ever seen. At least not in our lifetimes. How many times have you told somebody who's clinically dead to wake up? In some parts of the world it is happening. People are being raised from the dead. I haven't seen it and I've never been part of it. But it's coming. The miraculous on that level is coming. There is a new wave that's coming. How many limbs have you seen grow? How many people without an arm have you seen grow an arm before your eyes? Will you be ready? How much of the fire of God can you take? How much are you willing to throw away the old material so that the new piece can be sewn into the new garment? Your vessel, your body, your, your, your soul, are you the temple of the Holy Spirit exclusively? Is it purified? Are you sanctified? Are you ready to carry more of him? Are you ready to let go of more of yourself? Will you be the new wine? If so, there's a pressing comes with the process. Wine wasn't made without a few grapes getting squashed. There are pearls that need to be perfected. There are hard things to do. But we can do them all through Christ who strengthens us. You can do them all through Christ who strengthens you. 
because nothing separates you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Reach into that love. If we're more than conquerors, which we are, the Bible tells us we are, so we are. So we need to read this and understand this in two ways. One, the enemy is utterly obliterated. He is defeated. He doesn't accept he's defeated, but he is defeated. And two, we can march in and reap the rewards of the sacrifice of Jesus because he's authorised to do so. He's permissioned us to do so. That makes us more than conquerors. But it doesn't even end there. The transformation that we go through, the trials, the difficulties, they're preparing us to carry more of his glory, to take his mantle more fully, to do what he tells us to do, when he tells us to do it, however he tells us to do it. As we move from glory to glory, we will see the greater things than the works that Jesus already did. He already told us that. He already told us that was going to happen. We're going to see people's lives touched in different ways that we've never seen before. We're going to see people healed in a way that cascades healing through a generational line because that's the will of the God to reach out to people and to save people and to heal people. The time is now, church. I really believe this. Time is now. The next level of anointing is coming. Are we ready to hold his fire? There's a great harvest to be reaped. Are you ready? You are more than a conqueror. Are you ready to step into that? He's already obliterated the enemy and we can reap the spoils of that. It's already finished. It's already done. All healing, all deliverance, everything we need for wholeness, it's already done. We know the ending. We know the ending. Can I get an amen to that? We know the ending. The shalom, the perfect peace, shalom, shalom. It's only possible through him. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Amen.